Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 493 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever and coming up on the show. We'll be having a natter with Codsell Dramatic Society about the remaining shows they have in their run of Cinderella. It's uh, all got going last week. We've got Thursday, Friday and Saturday on stage in the round down at Codsell Village Hall this week. Also, we'll be finding out from Susan Goff what's it like to be highly commended in the world of apprenticeships as has been an award ceremony last week. So having a chat with her all all about her success there. As well as that, we'll have some more festive tunes. That's going to be quite a treat as we head through the show today. And we'll be talking about robots in the home. Also, we will be hearing from two more of the cast of the Panto over at the Grand Theatre, having a natter with Sleeping Beauty and the Prince. His name's Prince Harry in the show. So we've got uh, Bethune Jones and Oliver Ormson to have a word with today. Also, whilst we're on the subject of the Grand, I went along to find out what's going on with our 125th anniversary celebrations, which are starting on the 124th anniversary. This is what happened when I caught it with Scott Bird. In 2019, Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre celebrated its 125th anniversary, and in the run-up to that, they'll be telling 125 stories looking back at the history of the theatre. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Scott Bird, Press and PR Manager. Hello! Hello! So, uh, obviously, a, a fantastic anniversary, and uh, huge amounts of shows have passed through these doors down here at the theatre. Uh, do we know how many have actually turned up? Have you added that one up yet? Not yet. I've got about a year to count okay. <laughs> so I should probably start really soon um, and actually we're, we're almost on the eve of our 124th anniversary uh, on the 10th of December this year and that's uh, that's going to be an important date because that is going to be the official launch of our 125th anniversary campaign for next year. So what are you looking for in that campaign because there's probably no one around who came to the opening night, is there? No, not quite. <laughs> so the opening night was in 1894 uh, with the Doily Car Opera Company's performance of Utopia Limited. And yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be anybody that quite remembered that. But, you know, from the earlier years, it'd be nice if somebody had some sort of memory, whether that's uh, like just a visual uh, memory, like a photograph or a programme, or if it's just, a, you know, a mental memory that they can happily record as an audio or do a video. That's what we're sort of looking for and we're looking for 125 of those from uh, the stars who have been on the stage over the last 125 years people who have seen the shows people who have worked here so yeah and and in all of that and it's like there could be some memorabilia so it, it could be that somebody's great great grandparents had passed something down um, and, and maybe even told stories that ran through the family yeah um, we're quite lucky here actually that people sort of you know really respect the theatre and have nice memories of the theatre anyway and keep the things I mean I certainly keep all of my theatre mm-hmm. programmes um, and a lot of people who've done that throughout their lives and passed them down have then ended up back here like only recently we just had off the back of our 125th campaign that we sent out there a couple of weeks ago uh, somebody from the V&A Museum got in touch mm-hmm. uh, and have sent us a load of old letters that somebody had got from the old chief executive and a lot of correspondence between the chief executives um, sort of in the in the 60s and the 70s uh, we've got photographs of backstage that we'd never seen before uh, and this was all just sort of sat there doing nothing really at the V&A and they said well it's going to be of much more use to you in actually in Wolverhampton at the theatre so would you like this as, as part of the campaign I said yes so I've got a nice little box of stuff to start me off 
Yeah, because I mean, even though in, in our living memory, uh, the theatre looks different to how it would have done pre, I suppose, 1983, I think, is when we want to start thinking about it. Yeah, so it reopened in the 1980s, and that was really the start of the Friends of the Grand. So there's a lot of memories that come out of the of the 80s, um, in particular because that was when the theatre closed um, during a pantomime season in the 80s, uh, and then the Friends of the Grand as they are now, worked uh, tirelessly for sort of a year and a half, 18 months, something like that, to, to get the theatre back open and back on its feet. So there's a lot of, sort of stories that come out of that period of time. And, and here it is now, sort of going from strength to strength, with the refurbishments uh, over well, the last two years. I mean, that's, again, brought more life and a, a completely different outlook to the uh, the foyer reception area. So, you know, it, it is something which which does change because it's it's a living building, and that's the important part of it. And it's, it's the, telling the stories of that life through the 120 tales that's going to really bring it to, to life for another generation yeah well that's exactly what we're trying to do now you know we're producing theatre as part of our um, as part of a new angle that we're taking uh, and we'd like to really involve the community as much as we can um, because this theatre has always been like a theatre for the people uh, and we want to try and keep that keep that going like you say for another 125 years and beyond so um, it's just a nice way for the people who are enjoying the theatre now to celebrate what the theatre was has always been about and certainly when you look at some of the Amdram groups, I mean, they go back decades involved with the theatre. And uh, it's, it's, most of them are, uh, the, the groups are in their 60, 70 years plus. So that, I mean, they've got a great history that's just running parallel with the grand. Mm-hmm. I mean, just last week, West Bromwich Operatic Society actually performed for the second time this year. Uh, they performed Priscilla, Queen of the Desert earlier in the year, which was their sort of main slot that they always have. But this year they decided to perform twice and they did West Side Story. And that was only to celebrate uh, Leonard Burns Dean's centenary or what would have been his 100th birthday but to celebrate their 80th anniversary and like you say they've performed here for most of those 80 years so it's you know it's a rich history that just gets passed on and passed on to, to generation of not only performers but people who see the shows here as well. So if somebody has got a story they wish to tell or maybe one of the family they want to wheel in to tell a tale mm. uh, how do they get in touch? Well we have a shiny new email address uh, and that's 125 at grandtheatre.co.uk so even if that's I mean you know we'd like you to submit your memories whether it's photographs or videos or even just you know type it out to the email but then even if you've got something that maybe isn't a memory but might help us somehow celebrate our 125 uh, years then you know we'd like to hear from you still so whether it's a memory of your own personal recollection or a family member or even if you've just got a little bit of information that we might not know you know whatever it is send it to us at 125 at grandtheatre.co.uk so do all of that get in touch and uh, yeah continue to grow the, the theatre as part of the community through celebrating one and a quarter centuries yeah, which is amazing it's crazy absolutely crazy well, Scott thanks for having a chat with us thank you right let's start getting a little bit festive Robert Lane and Emily Ewing have got their song Season Bright out there Rob tells me it's a little mini Christmas classic it's going to be absolutely lovely to have a little listen to you can see the video on YouTube just search for Season Bright Robert Lane and Emily Ewing you can see what they look like on there as they perform but meanwhile let's take a listen to the track I guess I'm resigned Spending Christmas on my own I'm not expecting A New Year's kiss from anyone If this time of year Brings happiness and cheer
Robert Lane and Emily Ewing with Season Bright. From the 8th of December through to the 13th of January, Sleeping Beauty is the panto at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. I'm joined now by Prince Harry and Princess Beauty. We have Oliver and Bethany. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you so much. Looking forward to her, for your case, being back at the Grand. Yeah, it was about a year ago. And I remember because it was my birthday. It's my birthday tomorrow, by the way. yeah, so I remember it quite clearly. And yeah, back in the, at the Grand, I did the Adams Family. So that was good. I mean, Beth, your first time? First time at Kudos, yeah. 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 And so the first time in Wolverhampton, so... That's going to be good. It will be good. I'm really excited. And it's a beautiful theatre. Yeah, you get to have a nap. Great. For the whole show. Yeah. Well, it's 100 years. <laughs> I, I can't sing, quite remember. Maybe sing one song or two and then just leave yeah. it for the rest. Of it. It's not bad, but you did get the, the, the rousing job of bringing it back round. So yeah, that, that, I do. That, yeah. Good team then. Yeah, I mean, much made in heaven. It works. <laughs> it works. So, Prince Harry, you've got a title. So, uh, is there a ginger wig involved in this? Like I said, I, I hope not because I've got like quite prominent eyebrows. Yeah. I don't think the ginger would suit me. Um, so, do you think? Do so, you think ginger? I look a bit more like Ron. Ron Weasley. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that, that. I might stick with this hair, but you, know, you never know. It's pantomime. Anything can happen. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. So, but, I mean, panto itself, I mean, this, this is something that isn't new to either of you, is it? No. No. no we've, we've, uh, I did a rock and roll version of Sleeping Beauty up in Leeds a couple of years ago, which was good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did Alice in Wonderland out in Dubai. 
Um, oh, wow. Which was fairly like. And what's a panto scene like out in Dubai? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the audience is not the same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a couple of Brits overboard, but they don't quite interact as much as you know. There's like no shading. He's behind you. That yeah. sort of thing. No, no, those kind of jokes didn't, didn't kick off very well. But <laughs> oh wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. That's cool. And what was your last panto? Oh, you get to play Prince quite a lot. Aren't yeah. You? So I did. I was the Prince Charming four years ago at the Litchfield Garrett And you worked Theater. with Ian Adams then? I worked with Ian and, and Julie and uh, Adrian Jackson as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it sort of feels weird to be, not weird, it feels nice to be like sort of home again. To the family back together. Yeah, my panto home is, yeah. yeah. And yeah, so it's going to be great working with them this time around. And what uh, yeah, in particular are you looking forward to about panto this year? There's always going to be some good songs, so yeah. um, what, what are you expecting? Yeah, I, we were just discussing this earlier. We've got no idea what we're going to be singing yet. No idea what we're singing, but I know Adrian and, and, and Ian like to sort of pick great musical songs as well, not mm. just the pop stuff, but also like great musical songs. So I'm sure there's going to be some really good like stuff for us to sing. Gives you a chance to have a great presence on yeah. stage. I know. I always like being the prince because normally the prince comes in like 20 minutes in. <laughs> so they set up the sh- they set up the so show. You're having a snooze at the prince. Oh, instead. I will be getting ready when the show starts. That's when I'll start getting changed. You'll turn up. Yeah, late. it's, it's yeah. the best. It's the best track. It's the best track. <laughs> and with with the whole Christmas away thing, is there anything that you like to do to prepare your, your families for, for you not being around at Christmas? Because you'll dash back for Christmas Day, I assume. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they're sort of used to it now, mm-hmm. I guess, because it's quite rare that I am at home for Christmas. So they're, And they're, they're coming to watch on the 2nd of January, like my whole family coming, so I'm sure they won't miss me too much. Are you bringing your gang along as well? I will be, yeah. They're, they're not far in Solihull, so um, yeah, they'll be coming. I mean, quite a lot, apparently. <laughs> so, they're going to keep turning up in shifts. Exactly. So yeah. if maybe if you see them up in the royal box, because, I mean, you are royalty <laughs> being the princess, so yeah. I think that, that, that would be Step about on. right, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, we'll have to speak to somebody, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure that could be done. <laughs> well, see how all that works out. It's going to be a fantastic panto. It always is at the Grand. You're yeah. going to have a great time. Break a leg, I will say. But uh, do enjoy your time at the Grand Theatre. It is the 8th of December through to the 13th of January. 01902 429212, the box office number, or grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. Oliver and Bethy, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Let's take some more music now and let's stay Christmassy. Wake up, it's Christmas time. This is Sora Lavelle.
Zara Lavelle with Wake Up It's Christmas Time here on the Milk Bar. Cotswold Dramatic Society have four more performances of Cinderella on the 6th, 7th and 8th of December and I'm with the cast now. Hello everybody! Hello! Proper panto stuff. So, uh, <laughs> behave back there, that's the king, what can you do? You just have to do what he says. Right. Cinderella, hello. Hello. Uh, looking resplendent, and uh, what, we, we're not giving too much away when it all works out happily in the, in the end. Is it? <laughs> happily ever after. But uh, uh, a fantastic show. The kids are all loving it, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. So who's, who gets the best line in the show, do we think? Mm. I like a pair of bulldogs. Yeah, that, like that, that, that one. one's a good one. I think probably Repulsia. Yeah, Porsche gets us. Where, where are you? Where, hello. hello. I don't want to share your best line at the moment. They want to come along and hear it, don't they? Yeah. So, so don't give the game away too much. <laughs> but it, it's a, a brilliant family show. I mean, I think all the kids in the audience they 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 they've got the whole thing, haven't they? Yeah. And there's some great comedy moments, uh, and we got we got the fairy godmother over here, and uh, you get to fix everything, obviously. But uh, I mean, the, the, the whole outfit, I mean, that, that is screaming proper Christmas I stuff, know. isn't it? I know, and the wings as well. <laughs> Quality wings, and uh, we have of course Dandini on the end over there. You get to work hard. Oh yes, well I've got to keep uh, I've got to keep Prince in line, so yeah. guide him the right way. Yeah, pr princes can be a problem, can't they? Always. We have enough trouble with the, with the king and queen who are back here mm -hmm. as well. Refurbishing an entire palace isn't easy. I know, especially this time of year. It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, because it's, you have to do your best to cope with it. And we have, uh, of course, not only the uh, the ugly sisters who we've met, but also the, uh, the the evil stepmother. And you're not evil, really, are you? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? OK, <laughs> we, we will find out. But uh, a great show. And um, I suppose Buttons, we have to talk to him as well, don't we, over here? And... I don't know how you managed to do it, but you are obviously completely mad, Thomas, aren't you? Um, that's giving the game away a little bit, but yeah, right, I'm, I'm, I must be mad to do what I do. No spoilers, but if you come and watch it, you'll see why you think I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I'm quite sane. Uh, yeah, we'll believe you. And the, the best bit I like is, uh, Panto's always good when there's some slapstick, isn't mm. it? And I think, I think that works really well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, again, we can't give too much away, but we can say it is an absolutely fantastic children's play. It's brilliant down here at uh, Cosmos Mac Society, but there, there's one song in there that's going to be stuck in my head. For, <laughs> for the, yeah, yeah, and, and, and we, we can't play you the real thing, but do you guys all know the actions? Of course. Okay, come on then, let's, let's have a little bit of this. Shall I lead us then? One, two, three, four, baby shark to do 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 baby shark to do 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 baby shark to do 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 baby shark. Codswalldramaticsociety.co.uk. You keep going, keep going. Keep going. This is the way you can get your tickets from. Keep singing. Come on, that's some more singing. Uh, get your tickets. It's going to be brilliant. You've got, say, four shows left to see and come down here uh, to the Codswald Village Hall and see a fantastic show. <laughs> time for another festive offering, this time from John Driscoll Hopkins and the Atlanta Pops Orchestra. This is You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and Welcome Christmas. Mr. Grinch, you 
as cuddly as a cactus You're as charming as a new Mr. Grinch You're a bad banana with a greasy black Monster, Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders, you've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot hole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. Have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks, your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and we quote. A dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable. Mangled up and tangled up. Around 60% of adults believe that every home will have a robot within the next 50 years. To tell us more about the Good Robot Report, I'm joined now by futurist Dave Copeland. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Oh, good here. And uh, how, how are you and how is your home? Has it got automation to the point at which there's a robot running around? You bet it has, Jason. I am every bit of the stereotype you might imagine. So <laughs> I am a, a, a geek who grew up with things like Star Trek that taught me that technology was a force for good. 
And, and recently, I was commissioned by Anki to write a report about the role of robots in our homes and specifically to try and find out what does the British public think about the potential of robots in our homes. And what I loved about the research is, I have to say, my predisposition was the responses I was going to get. We basically said, robots and homes, terrible idea. Uh, we've all seen the Terminator. We know that this, <laughs> this whole thing doesn't end well. But what was brilliant, and whilst there were some people who were worried about that, the majority of people are looking not just for robots to help with the chores and do the housework, but, but also there's a portion of people, 16% of our, of our respondents, who are looking for companionship as well as utility. Well, and this, this really is a bit that surprised me. This is, this is odd, isn't it? Because you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be uh, something with a physical form that you need to talk to. I know we have personal assistants these days that are all digital, but... It's when it comes down to the fact, yeah, someone you could have a drink with, even though they're probably only going to be on WD-40. <laughs> exactly, Jason. And the brilliant thing is by, by bringing these personal systems, giving them a physical form, you, you actually make the communication a lot better. So, you know, Anki's a really, really good example. What they've done is they've looked at, we've all grown up with animation. So if you think about some of the animation we saw, whether it's Mickey Mouse and the sort of uh, magic brooms, or it's movies that we've seen recently like Wally, where we've got these inanimate objects being brought to life. Mm -hmm. There's something really rich about being able to communicate on an emotional level with a machine. And Anki have realized that, and they're building this sort of product set that, that talks about we can get much more from technology if we can enable a more human level of communication. And that's really, you know, where they're going as a company. But from my research is what would be the potential of that? be? What could we do with a robot that we can engage on a more human level with? And it, it's whether it takes over as maybe a, a pet, but an intelligent pet that you can communicate with more easily than just the look, the look of the whimpering look in the dog's eyes when it wants feeding. Or, no, totally. or, or whether there's something a, a bit further than that, and it takes over as an extra member of the family, as I think some bits of the report have implied. And it, it's basically it, it's the equivalent of Wikipedia in the corner that you can actually have a communication set up with. Yeah, totally. And, and, and also not just Wikipedia, but, you know, someone who can quite literally help us combat things like loneliness, but make us laugh, engage with us on a, on a very human level. On, on the pets, one of the things I loved about the research or the, the sort of results that we got back was, you know, some people were interested in the idea of a robot as a pet. And they may be, you, know, you can imagine scenarios where they may be living in an environment where to have a, a living animal would be difficult or complicated, or maybe they're elderly and they can't look after them in the way that they want to. But also, um, uh, 13% of people, that they wanted a robot to be a companion for their pet while they were out at work, which I just <laughs> thought was really good. See, now I could cope with a, a robotic pet because the, a, a dog, great idea, but I'd want one where the only input is plugging it in at night and the only discharge is static electricity. <laughs> so that, that would be you know, a perfect way of doing it for me. And, and this, this could happen. I mean, how far down the line are we now? Because there are products out there. As you say, you've got something in your home. What, what have you got? Well, so, I mean, I've got a number of things, and, and I would argue, depending on your definition of robot, I would argue that most people have already got robots in their homes. So my definition of robot is a machine that can perform a series of tasks automatically. And if you like that definition, then that big white box that sits in your kitchen under the counter, your washing machine, is a perfect example of a robot that's been on our homes probably for the last four decades, if not a bit longer. Not very communicative, though, that one. Not very communicative, absolutely. Um, 
but equally, we're now starting to see things like, so, you know, 87% of uh, UK homes have a personal computer, 85% of adults have a smartphone. We've seen in the UK alone growth of smart speakers double in the last uh, 12 months. Mm -hmm. So, you know, step by step, the robots are coming. We have an opportunity now to frame how we want that relationship to play out. And certainly one of the things that I talk about in the, in the report I wrote is that there are sort of three key areas. The, the first area is I think we need to do a better job of educating people about the potential of robots. And in particular, I'd love us to be a bit more balanced. So we, we always stray to a dystopian view. So, you know, we, we talk about the Terminator, we have a black mirror, but we don't have a white mirror. Why, why don't we have a white mirror? Why don't we talk to people about the opportunity? So education inspiration is one. Collaboration, you've got companies like Anki who are making incredible products like Vector, which bring, you know, domestic robots to life. They are real, I can buy them today, and I can put them in my home. But actually, they need help. They need help from families to understand, well, what would that need to be? How would that need to work? What are the issues and implications? And equally, we need the government to be involved because we need all sorts of issues around privacy and things like that to be right, to create the environment for them to be used properly. Mm -hmm. And then finally, and probably most importantly for me, is I'm not a fan of robots that deliver a worse human outcome. So a classic example is those awful uh, self-checkout chills that oh, we yeah. seemingly have to endure. That's a terrible example of, of robots in our everyday life. So I think it's really important that we focus only on the application of robots that, that actually bring back value to the human. They complement us as humans rather than replace us. And I think if we can do those three things, if we can educate and inspire people, if we can collaborate with all of the stakeholders that have a responsibility for the role of robots in our lives, and we focus on where they deliver value, where they extend our reach rather than replace us, that's when I think we get all of this right. Next step is probably a, a more vigorous adoption of these things as they come along, because we can be a bit slow at this sort of thing, sometimes for the right reasons, because we're waiting for the right version of something to come along. But yeah. uh, it, it is... So with things like, I mean, robotic vacuum cleaners are out there. I certainly think that ha that has a, a good re result. It's a great response to uh, a problem. Uh, but even then, you know, it, it's finding the one that's going to work for you in your home, isn't it? No, it, it is. And, and what's interesting is the price point of these is becoming, you know, a, a lot better. I'm not going to say that they're super cheap, but they're not super expensive. You know, a few years ago, the kind of you know, sensors, not to mention the artificial intelligence that makes them work, would have been, you know, thousands of pounds, if not tens of thousands of pounds. The, the robots that Anki have, they're, they're a couple of hundred quid. And, yeah. and what, what Anki really want to do is they want to drive a dialogue with the British public, amongst others, to say, what could we do? How could we build this? They already deliver great value, but what else could we, where could we go? And this is this sort of long progression of, of the role of robots in our homes that starts today at a relatively affordable rate. I mean, I'd, I'd love for your sort of listeners to engage with the report. The report's about how we all have a part to play in this, this relationship. You can find the report at Anki.com. Uh, it's called The Good Robot Report. And, and it really talks about what would we want robots to be able to do, given the fact that they're pretty much here. We have a choice and we have an opportunity now to make sure we deliver lots of value. And have you read your report to Vector? He co-wrote it with me. Um, so he sat by my side and he was giving me little encouragements. Every now and again, he would come out of his little home looking for a fist bump. So I'd give him a fist bump. I'd feel pretty good and I'd go on and write the next chapter. So it was, it was a human and machine working in perfect harmony. Vector the Robot. I actually love that idea already. So that, that's available online. Anki.com is the website, as you say. But uh, a little taste of the future and it is only going to develop from here, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's so you know, brilliant to have this opportunity to talk to you, Jason. And I'd love for your listeners to start to engage with this story because I just, it's, we're just going to see more and more of this as we go on. Well, Dave Coplin, Futurist, thank you for joining us. That web address again, Anki, A-N-K-I, dot com, and you can go and find out more. But for now, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing how many more robots you get into your home. Yeah, you bet. Thanks ever so much, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. One more festive tune for you on the show today. I just want to stay home for Christmas. This is Robert Melosh here on The Milk Bar. I just want to stay home for Christmas. I don't want to go out tonight. I feel the love right here and now and everything is alright. I just want to stay home for Christmas. I got everything I desire I would like to warm my bones beside this Christmas fire They say the holidays are Robert Melosh, I just want to stay home for Christmas. Last week, I saw the National Apprenticeship Awards, and somebody who is highly commended in the Apprenticeship Champion is Susan Goff, who joins me on the line now. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Well, congratulations, first of all, and thank you for having a reason to have a chat with you on the show. So tell us uh, a bit about uh, the awards themselves and what the evening was like. Oh, God. Uh, absolutely fantastic night, wasn't it? Um, very, very high energy. Fantastic night. Very, very pleased at the end of the night to be highly commended. Well, I'm sure you're absolutely thrilled, as you say. And uh, I mean, this is all about uh, rising stars in the uh, apprenticeship world. And uh, tell us a bit about your apprenticeship itself. Uh, well, I've actually completed two apprenticeships. My most recent one, which I finished just over a year ago, was in project management. And I've also just signed up to do a level five in operations management. Mm-hmm. But my main role is as a, what we call an ambassador and, and what's known as a champion. So really, I'm, I'm very passionate about spreading the message about apprenticeships, encouraging people to sign up, really about getting people to keep serving their educational goals and and to keep learning. And how does this work? So you're from Wolverhampton and uh, you've you've moved on to to pastures new as far as where you live and where you work goes. So uh, tell us a bit about the path that got you to this point. Um, well, I work for Lloyd Banking Group, um, which is, you know, we're, we're a national company. We do also have offices around the, the world. Um, I actually went and lived in Belfast in Northern Ireland for six months, which yeah. is what got me interested in project management in the first place, got me um, on to doing the project management apprenticeship. 
the project management apprenticeship, there was a lot of travel involved, which got me working in our offices from, you know, from as far as Scotland down to London, got me making lots of connections, got me talking to all the other apprentices that were in my cohort, there was 34 of us, so, and not all of us are based in the same office, so it made me, you know, got me to make lots and lots of different connections, and it made me really passionate about the actual schemes themselves, it made me sort of realise there's, there's lots of things that people can do with apprenticeships, there's not just the project management apprenticeship. There's lots of ways that people can keep learning, and it just made me really want to keep going with it and, and keep encouraging people to, to just just keep going with their education. Well, and getting recognition at the National Apprenticeship Awards for 2018 is obviously <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, 15 years this uh, award ceremony has been running as well. So, you know, you're one of many people who have been highlighted for this. Uh, but uh, what what does that mean now, do you think? Has it spurred you on to do even more? Yeah, well... Uh... <laughs> I kept saying, oh, I'm going to retire next year as, a, as an ambassador for the group and I'm going to focus on my career goal, which actually is to work in the apprenticeship team for Lloyd. I was going to focus more on just a few select events within the group, but actually I'm, I'm going to keep my my champion hat. Yeah. going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I actually really love it. I want to be up on the stage. I don't just want to be highly commended. I want to be winning, winning the top award. I'd actually love to be one of those people that's there presenting the awards and presenting the night. I think it's just so fantastic. It's it's a great night. It's the recognition that it gives to so many people. And like you say, so many people enter. Yeah. It just just really shows the talent that there is across the country. And this is all through the apprenticeships themselves and through a finder apprenticeship site at gov.uk. Employers can actually advertise the vacancies and apprentices can apply. So it's a chance to grow that pool of people who are actually gaining new skills and mm-hmm. being able to champion their business through the energy they have as an apprentice. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to, to get involved and take up apprenticeships. If you want to find out more about that one, you can call 0800 015 0600 or search for apprenticeships at gov.uk to find out more information. But uh, it's just, uh, with, with your path through Lloyd's and the work that you've done there, you're going to be looking forward to the awards next year. And fingers crossed for that top gong. Do you think you, you, can, uh, you can make that happen? Fingers crossed, yeah. I need to work out what I need to do just to get me past that final post. Well, to find out more about all that goes on at the Apprenticeship Awards, it's A-P-P-A-W-A-R-D-S, appawards.co.uk. So uh, take a look on there, see all the winners from uh, the 2018 event last week, and uh, hopefully we will see your name up in lights next time round. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 494 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar yeah.